Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Saturday, August the 26th, 2023. On this edition of the Politocrat, a mass killing in Jacksonville, Florida. Three black people are executed by a white racist terrorist who turns the gun on himself in a cowardly way to escape accountability for his crimes. That is next on this edition of The Politocrat. But aside from the gunmen, we're talking about three victims here. They were all black themselves. And so, it, it, you know, we connect the dots here, Alicia, Probably no coincidence that this was an area historically black, predominantly black, especially with this manifesto in the context here. Um, I want to add some other details here. They said that the suspected shooter was outfitted with a tactical vest and had swastikas drawn on the guns that he had with him. Now, the shooter turned the gun on himself, as we mentioned, uh, was believed to have resided in Clay County with his parents. He was involved in a 2016 domestic call and Clay County with no arrest in 2017. Now, these are very preliminary details. As you just heard from the sheriff's office, they're not releasing his name at this moment. But when we look at the scene, when we look at this dollar general here, um, we saw people, of course, overcome with grief. And of course, looking at yet another instance of a tragedy that has become all too familiar in this area. So, you know, this is something that obviously in the coming days, we hope to learn more, Alicia. but we know that this is definitely shaking the community. This is a, a scary thing to hear, especially when you hear someone who has a manifesto with the desire to kill black people and acted on it. Alicia. Dear listener, welcome to this brand new edition of The Politocrat. And yes, indeed, it's good to be back again. And But not under these circumstances. I mean, I know I've taken some time off. But I do hope you're well. Um, wow. We are... In the midst of what we've been in the midst of for 400 plus years here in the United States. And no one should be surprised when you heard, when I heard, that there was a shooting in Jacksonville, Florida. And that the shooter had tried to, or was on the campus at a university... And I've got to tell you, when I heard the name of the university, and I've, Edward, whomever, university, college, whomever, EWC, when I heard the name, I said, wait a minute, that's a black college or an, or an HBCU, uh, black college, or a college where mostly black people go, a predominantly black institution. And I'm thinking, I bet you anything that the shooter was a white male and was a racist white male and a white male terrorist who did this. I bet you. And when I found out, after going on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called these days, that three people had been killed, I knew it. 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 And then we got the news, didn't we? We got the news at that press conference. I'll play you the entire press conference in a few minutes, but we got the news and you just heard, by the way, um, a snippet from MSNBC. And yes, I did uh, tune in to see how they were reporting this. And it wasn't MSNBC, but it was another network that was engaging in something that I thought was absolutely criminal. And I'll get to that later, maybe. But when I heard that all the victims were black, And you'll hear this in a moment in the press conference held by the Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters, himself a black man. When I heard him say that all the victims were black, I knew and you knew that this was a anti-black racist attack, an execution, a lynching. Of three black people. You knew that. At the Dollar General grocery store? Uh, Grocery stores. Where have we heard this before? Buffalo. Tops grocery store. 
back in May, I believe it was, of 2022 or April of 2022, whichever month it was, maybe April. I don't remember the exact date. I think it may have been April of 2022. We've seen this before. I was almost going to say we've seen this movie before, but it's not a movie. It's absolutely happening. And it's been happening for 400 years. And you listen to these commentators, some of them on your TVs, and they are acting as if this just happened last week, as if this just happened for the first time ever, as if this has been a problem that's just developed over the last 50 years. This has been going on for 400 plus years. White people killing black people, executing black people. Burning black people at the stake in front of 40,000 people in the town square. Bringing white people, bringing their children to lynchings. And posing for pictures with dead black bodies. Burnt at the stake or dangling from trees above them and pointing up at them. Kids pointing up and laughing. And adults, their mothers and their fathers, laughing and grinning and smirking and pointing. This is the evil that you have many of these violent white people doing. This is what you have. This has been the fabric and continues to be the fabric of this country. And you've got Ron DeSantis, whose state this happened in today, acting as if, oh, it's so horrible. Acting as if he had nothing to do with this. Can I cast your mind back, dear listener? Monday, April the 3rd, 2023, DeSantis signs bill allowing carry of concealed weapons without a permit. Dateline Washington. From CNN. On their website, CNN.com. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Monday morning that allows people to carry a concealed weapon in public without a government-issued permit, a top priority for the Republican governor. Let me just read that last few words again. Read those last few words again to you. A top priority. For the Republican governor. So it's a top priority for him to allow people in his state to carry concealed weapons in public without government issued permits. It's also a top priority for him to block you from voting in Florida, to prevent you from voting in Florida, to make it harder for you to vote in Florida. It's a top priority for Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSatan. Ron de fascist to make it easier for you to be killed in Florida based on this law based on this law and this was a bill he signed into law just four and a half months ago almost five months ago now I should tell you by the way that Giffords has done a study, their annual gun law scorecard, and they rank the states by gun law strength and by gun death, and gun deaths per 100,000 people. Grading the states, Giffords, G-I-F-F as in Frank, G-I-F-F, O-R-D as in Delta, S as in Sam, dot O-R-G, Giffords, Dot O-R-G. You have to look at this. Funny enough, Florida gets a C minus, which is a surprise because I actually thought that they'd be a lot lower than that. I thought they would have made an F grade. Well, they certainly failed today, didn't they? Or maybe, depending on your point of view on this and your way you look at this, maybe they succeeded because this is what the system does. You're living in a country, if you live in the United States, 
a country that is not designed to make you feel safe. It's designed to keep the rich and the powerful as safe as houses. The rest of you, who cares? That is how this country treats you. And when you're talking about us as black people, they don't give a damn about us. They don't want us here. And when I'm talking about they, I am talking about many white people, everyday white people in this country, do not want us here. Do not want us here. Do not want. And I'm speaking from my own personal lived experience. I'm speaking about history. History shows, taught us. History is shouting at us. The present is shouting at us. The past is shouting at us. Jacksonville, Florida, that's a haven for Nazis. There have been people walking down the streets of some parts of Jacksonville, a city I've visited on a few occasions in my life, with swastikas. They've had swastikas. I remember being called an N when I was down in Jacksonville back in the 1990s. That was one of the times I visited there. These white boys in a pickup truck drove by and they shouted out, and they shouted out that word. It's a country that has Nazis in it and has had Nazis in it for at least a hundred years. Don't get me started about Los Angeles, California with its history of Nazis. Don't get me started. Do you want me to recommend a book to you to read about that? Do you want to hear about Nazis in Los Angeles, California? Oh yes, I am not joking. You think I'm joking, but I am not, dear listener. I, dear listener, am not. I've got to tell you, if you if you really think that this country somehow is repeating history, think again. I, I take firm issue with that. We're not repeating history. This is the history now. This stuff's never gone away. It's not a question of repeating anything. As I've said many times, and I'll get to that press conference in a moment, I promise. As I've said many times here, it's about a sliding scale. Where are we on this scale? The Nazis have always been here. The racists have always been here. The fascists have always been here. And the anti-black racists have been here always. Since this country's become the US of A, always they've been here, always. And then it just depends on how, how much closer are we to really being in the mire. Oh, we've always been in the mire, if you're black, as Fanny Lou Hamer once said. If you were born in the US, I'm paraphrasing here, you were born in the mess. Just because in World War II, the Nazis were defeated, that doesn't mean that they have all disappeared. There are Nazis in the United States during World War II. There were Nazis in the United States during World War II. Go back to 1939. I keep referring to A Night at the Garden, a seven-minute documentary showing... 20,000 plus Nazis from the United States inside of Madison Square Garden. I kid you not. Marshall Curry directed that. He and I follow each other on Twitter, full disclosure. Here's the book that I promised or dangled 
in front of you without telling you the name of it. Because you've got to believe me when I say this. There were Nazis in Los Angeles. There were Nazis all over this country in the 1930s and 40s. And even before, let's not kid ourselves. Here's the book. I want you to really understand this. Hitler in Los Angeles. That's the name of the book. It's by Stephen Ross. Stephen J. Ross, to be precise. J is his middle initial. Stephen is spelt in this case with a V, as in V for victory. S-T-E-V-E-N. Ross, R-O-S-S, as in Sam. That is the author's name. And Hitler in Los Angeles, or Los Angeles, as I like to say sometimes, is the name of the book. That is the name of the book. The subtitle, How Jews Foiled Nazi Plots Against Hollywood and America. I'm telling you, this is real. It's never gone away. These Nazis have never left. I've seen, I've seen swastikas written into signage here in San Francisco. I've seen it. I've taken pictures of it. This is 10 years ago. This is 15 years ago, before this piece of garbage who got his mugshot taken was even anywhere close to the White House. Featuring a large cast of Nazis, undercover agents, and colorful supporting players, the Los Angeles Times bestseller Hitler in Los Angeles by acclaimed historian Stephen J. Ross tells the story of Lewis's daring spy network in a time when hate groups had moved from the margins to the mainstream. This is 1933. 1933, 90 years, 90 years ago, dear listener. Plans existed for murdering 24 prominent Hollywood figures, such as Al Jolson, of all people, the blackface man, Charlie Chaplin, and Louis B. Mayer, the founder of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Studios. For driving through ball heights. This is the plan that the Nazis had in Los Angeles, for God's sakes. In the 1930s, here in the US. For driving through ball heights and machine gunning as many Jews as possible. Look, this isn't about history repeating itself. This is about the way the United States has been from the giddy up. And on that sliding scale, how close are we to 1933? It's not about repeating anything. It's about how we move. It's about where we are on that sliding scale. Are we closer to something akin to the 1990s? Are we closer to the 1960s? Are we really always Somewhere around 1930 to 1957. Is that where we are? Are we? Because I think that's where we really are. Not repeating anything. All of these things are still here. It's not a repeat. It's ever presence. Not a repeat of anything. I take issue with that. And so many, oh, history repeating itself. It's about a scale that we're on. Are we sliding closer to what it already exists or are we sliding away from it? It's about how we are. Where are we culturally and societally positioned on that scale? That's what this is. That's what this is, dear listener. This piece of garbage today, who did this, this murdering bastard, he got off easy. And the Baker Act, which supposedly in Florida is supposed to put someone in mental health evaluation and prevent them from having any access to guns. 
Well, that act didn't freaking well work for this piece of garbage, did it? In 2017, he had this mental evaluation and it was very clear that this guy should not have had a gun. And don't forget, and you'll hear this, he had all these documents and they called them manifestos. Don't call it a freaking manifesto. Don't give it some freaking credence. Manifesto, like it's some freaking document that has some kind of damn authority. That's what you call a manifesto. Someone's got some damn authority and purpose to it. Some authority to it. This is, a, this is an evil racist piece of garbage. Oh, manifesto. Like he's smart enough to even write a so-called manifesto. Don't trivialize this, corporate news media, because that's what you're good for. This guy was writing the most vile, hateful, evil things about black people that you could think of. And his guns had swastikas on them. Don't tell me that we're repeating history. This is the history that's always been here since this place became the U.S. of A. It's a country bathed in blood and hate, hatred and violence. Nobody in the Republican Party gives a damn about trying to make people safer. They all are dedicated to making their pocketbooks safer and more secure and more fulfilled. This guy was not arrested in 2016, you'll hear this, when he was called regarding a domestic violence dispute, domestic dispute. This guy is only in his early 20s. And by the time you listen to this episode, his name will probably be identified and revealed. I don't give a damn about his friggin' name. I want to know the names of the three people, the three black people he executed. I don't give a damn about his name. He's a coward and he's a racist. And he's a terrorist. This was a terrorist attack. End of. His parents supposedly had objections to him having a gun. Well, what do they do about it? They let him continue. They didn't say anything. Not until it was too damn late. I mean, when you will hear that he actually texted or contacted his dad telling him to Look on his phone. Look on his computer. Look on your computer, Dad. So how much did these parents know? Because let me tell you something. These parents, these white parents, they could be in some trouble here. As lax as Florida's gun laws are. And the Giffords organization... As I said, gay Florida, C minus. 23 out of 50 on gun law strength. That's right near the half of the half of the country, halfway through. Gun death rank, 34th state out of 50. Gun deaths per 100,000 people, 14.1. That's an overall percentage difference from the national average, 4%. Less than, that's a 4% difference, lower than the national average. I'm telling you, If a black parent, as in, I guess it was Virginia or wherever it was, where that white female teacher was shot by a six-year-old, remember that? And clearly the way they're making it very clear to you is that the six-year-old is black because you saw the mother who looked black to me. And so if a black parent can be charged with weapons possession and all kinds of whatever it was the charges were for the six-year-old black child, her child, who shot a white female teacher in Virginia or wherever it was, if that particular person can be charged, and I get it, it's different states, different jurisdictions, then why can't these parents be charged? I don't care if they said that they didn't want him to have a gun. That does not suffice. He is living or was living under their roof. He was living under their roof. 
This guy lived in a county next door to Jacksonville. It's a Clay County. I think Jacksonville is what, Duval County or something? I'm not good with my Florida counties. But you're telling me that those parents in this case shouldn't be charged? When I come back, I'm going to play this press conference. I know it's been 23 plus minutes. I'm going to play this press conference. And I want you to listen very carefully to what's being said in it. That's coming up right after this. U.S. law enforcement agencies were not paying close attention, preferring to monitor Reds rather than Nazis. And only attorney Leon Lewis and his daring ring of spies stood in the way. Oh dear, I could go on and on. That's from Hitler in Los Angeles by Stephen J. Ross. I want you to read that book, dear listener. You know from time to time I recommend books to you. You know that. Thank you very much for listening, by the way. It's a somber edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast for this Saturday, August the 26th, 2023. And, you know, um, never mind the fact that there was a continuation, as has been dubbed, of the uh, 60th anniversary or 60th commemoration of the March on Washington, which really is officially 60 years old this coming Monday, August 28th. I'll talk a lot more about that on that day. But for now, um, I don't really want to talk about the commemoration slash continuation about the March on Washington. I mean, I probably would have talked about it had it not been for what happened. But I really think it's more sensible to talk about the March on Washington and the 60-year mark of it on Monday when the actual 60-year mark is. That's the best time and the most appropriate time, I think, or the most sensible time and the most... Whatever, I'm not making much sense. But you get what I mean, dear listener, you know. And thank you for listening, I do appreciate you. I'm going to play this press conference, dear listener, and I'm going to get to, or maybe not, some of the things I talked about earlier that I said I would get to. It depends. But here is the press conference now from Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters on what happened at Dollar General. What happened was is that a white male in his 20s wearing tactical gear, a tactical vest and had guns he's not supposed to have executed three black people and left all these freaking documents. I'm not even going to call them manifestos anymore. These documents with the, I think sent one to the FBI, sent one to the media, sent one to someone else, I don't know. Maybe his parents. His parents, I think, and this investigation obviously is ongoing. I'll preface that before you get to hear this 12-minute press conference. His parents are in trouble, and they should be. That's my read on it. Even in a state like Florida, even in a state like Florida, or is it Florida? I think that his parents are in trouble and should be in trouble. Now, I want to warn you, the first four or five minutes of this 12 minutes, the audio is not great. Not great. In fact, there are all kinds of little things that happen throughout this audio that may not be comforting to your ears. I'll put it like that. But for the most part, I think the audio is very clear and can be heard. But there are moments and quite a few of them where audio may drop or may kind of be scratchy. But bear with me because I think it's worth listening to this. Here is the roughly 12-minute press conference as held earlier today by the Jacksonville Sheriff, T.K. Waters. So thank you all for joining us um, this evening. Tonight I stand side by side with our law enforcement partners, our mayor, city leaders, to share the heartbreaking news that Jacksonville has suffered the loss of three precious lives at the hands of an active shooter. This afternoon, a little after 1 p.m., an individual we have not yet officially identified entered a Dollar Tree in the Newtown area of Jacksonville, outfitted with a tactical vest, armed with an AR-style rifle, and a handgun. Then the shooter killed three people before turning the gun on himself, taking his own life. Other than the three individuals killed 
and the shooter himself, there are no additional people who suffered gunshot wounds. We are not identifying the deceased victims at this time, but I can tell you that there are two male victims and one female victim. All of, all of the deceased victims are black. Multiple units from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office responded to this active shooter scene, as did members of Jacksonville Fire Rescue, our mayor, and city leaders. We are still in the, uh, in the very early stages of this investigation, so there's a lot of information that we don't know at this time. I will share you that, with you the information that I have been able to, uh, to verify. The shooter was believed to have resided in Clay County with his parents. He was involved in a 2016 domestic call in Clay County with no arrest. In 2017, he did have a Baker Act. We know that at 11.39 a.m. today, Sheriff Cook gave us information that he left Clay County headed to Jacksonville. At 1.18 p.m., he texted his father and told his father to check his computer. At 1.53 p.m., the shooter's family members called the Clay County Sheriff's Office. By that time, he had already began shooting in Jacksonville. The Clay County Sheriff's Office, who has been assisting our agency with this investigation, received information after the shooting that the shooter had authored several manifestos, one to his parents, one to the media, and one to federal agents. Portions of these manifestos detail the shooter's disgusting ideology of hate. Plainly put, this shooting was racially motivated and he hated black people. He wanted to kill niggers. That's the one and only time I'll use that word. I want to be very clear that there is absolutely no evidence that the shooter is part of any large group. We know that he acted completely alone. If you take a look at the images on the screen, you'll be able to see what he utilized. The weapons that the shooter used today are a Glock and an AR-15 style rifle. This is a dark day in Jacksonville's history. Any loss of life is tragic, but the hate that motivated the shooter's killing spree adds an additional layer of heartbreak. There's no place for hate in our community, and this is not Jacksonville. As a member of this Jacksonville community, I am sickened by this cowardly shooter's personal ideology of hate. Homicide detectives are actively investigating this tragedy, and despite the fact that the shooter is dead, they will continue to investigate this until we have a complete understanding of what happened and even why he did it. Our Jacksonville community collectively cries tonight to the victims and victims' families. Our thoughts and prayers are with you now and will remain with you. Please know that in the face of this tragedy, this agency and our city stands with you. We stand united and resolved in our commitment to accountability. We stand united with each other. Those who have personally suffered loss and those who have been touched by this tragedy, we are with you. We stand united and resolved against all forms of hate. And at this time, I'll take any questions that I can. Yes, it's a mass shooting. It's an active shooting. Whatever you want to label it, it's a shooting that should not have happened under any circumstances. I don't think names of the shooting really matter. What matters is three people lost their life today. Sheriff, there are reports that the suspect may have been seen on Edward Wine University at first and then made his way down the road. Can you confirm that? Was the plan to maybe start to go there? I can't tell you what his mindset was while he was there, but he did go there. And he did put his vest on and a mask on and then went directly to Dollar General. Sheriff, did uh, Edwards Waters University catch the incident on camera, on their cameras? That's still part of our investigative process. How does the community share something that you see side by side? How do you go about healing that process to know that those type of ideologies still exist today? And you said it's not the actual I mean, obviously, if there's a population there with Clay in the metro area, there's still people who have those thoughts. Well, you see us standing here together, right? So none of that, that's an outlier. That doesn't represent who we are as a city and who we are as a people, right? Our, our mayors here, our political leaders from all over the city are here, and it shows where we stand and how we believe as a, as a community. You know, politics aside, none of this, none of that matters. What matters is who we are as a community. We stand together as a community. We live together as a community. We fight together as a community. And when someone comes into our city and does this, we're not gonna stand for it and we don't accept it. So we're always gonna fight against it. Mary, you were out of the scene. Your thoughts about this as you stood among the community? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this off, Sheriff, because yes. they're not going to see me behind there. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan. You were out of the scene. Your thoughts about how the community is dealing with this, your reaction to what has hit this community again? 
Well, I'm heartbroken, obviously. Uh, this is a community that has uh, suffered again and again. Uh, so many times, this is where we end up. And uh, there were so many people out today, obviously grieving, upset. Um, it, it's, it's just something that should not and must not continue to happen in our community. It's too often the same folks. And this type of, of hate, you know, this type of, you see the, the swastika is on the gun. We must do everything that we can. We must do everything that we can to dissuade this type of hate. And, and so, I, I, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell you how frustrating this is for all of us because we've seen it too much. We've seen it too much. And uh, this, as you know, was the anniversary of uh, when we had the, the shooting at the landing. And I believe that was also indicated in the, in the manifesto that he was aware of that and, uh, and, and perhaps chose this date in alignment with that. So there's a, lot, there's a lot here, but as the sheriff said, this was a hate-filled crime. And uh, we just shouldn't have that kind of hate in Jacksonville. Does anyone know what the Baker Act was about back in 2017? So that's still under investigation also. And before we go any further, I want to give Sherry Onks the sack for our local FBI an opportunity to address you all about a few things. Sherry. Thank you, Sheriff Waters. First, on behalf of the entire FBI, I want to express my deepest sympathies to the loved ones of those innocent souls that we lost in today's attack. No life should ever be lost to this kind of violence and our thoughts are with the families tonight after this tragic event. Immediately upon learning about the shooting, FBI agents rushed to the scene to assist our partners at JSO. As we speak, members of our evidence response team and our investigative specialists continue to work alongside JSO to ensure every FBI resource is brought to bear to aid in this investigation. I have committed to Sheriff Waters that our assistance will continue for as long as necessary. In addition, FBI Jacksonville is coordinating with the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Florida. We have opened a federal civil rights investigation and we will pursue this incident as a hate crime. Hate crimes are always and will always remain a top priority for the FBI because they are not only attack on a victim, they are also meant to threaten and intimidate an entire community. Everyone has a right to feel safe in their communities and in their homes. And I assure you, the FBI will bring every resource we have to bear to bring justice to the families of those innocent lives we lost today. Thank you. I'll turn it back over to Sheriff Waters. Sheriff Mary, you also mentioned swastikas were found on the gun. Saw the pictures of the gun. Yeah. yeah. Was that did he own both those guns or were those parents' guns? No, they were not his those those were not his parents' guns. I can't say that he owned them, but I know his parents did. His parents didn't want them in their house. Did he legally purchase those guns? From what we can tell, we don't know yet. We're still that's still that's still a, part, a deep part of the investigation we're gonna, we have to get into. Did he ever have the guns taken away by the flag law? Again, that's something we can't get into because we don't know yet. I wanted to get out here. I want to tell you as much as we could right now so that our community will know, one, that there's no danger, um, no further danger. Uh, and two, I want to be as transparent as possible. I want to let you know exactly what his intentions were because there's no, there's no reason not to tell our community what, what went on. And um, I think that's important for people to know. There was also a, a shooting at a, like a White Sox game last night. There was a shooting earlier this morning in Boston. Obviously, we have the Jacks tonight. I mean, is there going to be any sort of extra precautions in the near future for those type of big events? Jacks games and events are, are very well covered. Um, and one thing has absolutely nothing to do with the other. This was, a, this was, quite frankly, a maniac who decided he wanted to take lives. Was this a targeted crime, Sheriff? Or did he just pick a community and it was opportunity? 
No, he targeted a certain group of people, and that's black people. That's what he. That's what he said he wanted to kill, and um, that's very clear. And uh, I don't know that the targets were specific, but I know that any member of that of that race at that time was in danger of of, of the black race. Any other questions? Sheriff Waters, I was going to ask, is there any reason why your office is not identifying him yet? Can you clarify why not? Yeah, I'd love to identify him, but we're not identifying him because we don't have an, a positive identification. It's very important for us as an agency to make sure that we have an official positive ID. When a person is, is deceased in Jacksonville, that body is, is in the custody of the medical examiner's office. So we have to wait until we can make a positive ID. Once we do that, um, then I'll tell you exactly who he is. Jumping off that real quick, is there, uh, I mean, can you give it an age range? Living with parents? Early 20s. Early 20s, white suspect? White male. Thank you. One more question. Was it Dollar Tree or Dollar General? Dollar General. Dollar General. Dollar General. All right, thank you. And there are days, this is one of them, when you wonder what your role is in this country and what your future is in it. How precisely are you going to reconcile yourself to your situation here and how you're going to communicate to the vast, heedless, unthinking, cruel white majority that you are here. I'm terrified at the moral apathy, the death of the heart, which is happening in my country. These people have deluded themselves for so long that they really don't think I'm human. I had basis on their conduct, not on what they say. And this means that they have become in themselves moral monsters. I had to play that James Walden clip. It's a clip that I've played a number of times on this particular podcast. And there it is again from 1963, by the way. 60 years ago. James Walden was part of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. I'll get to that on Monday's episode. What James Walden just said there that you heard is true. And I think that this kid's kid, this man, in quotes, his parents, I think would be the equivalent of moral monsters. I know it's obvious that he was a moral monster. I think his parents are as well. I don't care what they said about, well, we don't want him to have a gun. They didn't do enough. They didn't do enough. Three more black people could be alive right friggin' now. And you heard the Jacksonville Sheriff before you heard James Baldwin. T.K. Waters. You heard what he had to say. You can look at the police, whoever it was that uh, were called to look into that domestic disturbance that happened in 2016 with this piece of garbage who executed three black people today in Jacksonville. And you might ask yourself, why the heck didn't they arrest this guy? Why the hell was this guy accessing guns? Oh, well, Ron DeSantis surely made it easier for him. You know what I want you to also do, dear listener? As well as going to Giffords.org. And by the way, you'll find the number one state in terms of gun law strength ranking out of 50 states. The number one state in this country is, you guessed it, California. Giffords gives California an A rating gun law strength rank of one out of 50. And the gun death rate rank in California is the 43rd state out of 50. They are in the bottom eight for gun deaths in the United States of America. 
And that is what you would expect of California where it's very strong gun laws. It is nearly 40% below the national average for gun deaths. 39% lower than the national average in California. The national average. Gun deaths per 100,000 in California, that's nine. Nine people. This is from Giffords in 2023, the annual gun scorecard. Please go to giffords.org. And by the way, the other place I want you to go, dear listener because I've asked you to go to a lot of places on this episode. I want you to go to the National Gun Violence Memorial. The National Gun Violence Memorial. Gunmemorial.org. That's G-U-N as in North. M as in Messy. E. M as in Messy. O. R as in rich, I-A-L as in love, dot O-R-G, gunmemorial, dot O-R-G, gunmemorial, dot O-R-G. And on the front page, you will see the words, Americans killed with guns, real people, not just statistics. And as of the time I'm looking at this and recording this episode, 122,199 gun violence victims and counting. That's not ever. That's this year. And there is a photograph of almost every single gun victim reported in 2023. And when you scroll through that, as of the time I'm looking at it, as of the time I'm looking at it, it's up to August 24th. That's the last update. Now, by the time you look at it, dear listener, I would be pretty confident in saying that they probably would have updated it again. Maybe I think I'm confident with that. I'm 99.99999%. But again, you never know. But we'll see. And so will you. But my God, it's so staggering and overwhelming. All of these faces, these photographs of people who've been shot or killed. Shot or shot and killed by guns. It's, you click on their names, you get to know a bit about them. Oh, Jesus Christ. 23 years old. I'm looking at Kiwan Green, age 23, black man. And one thing you'll find, he was killed in Chicago on the 24th of August. And one thing you'll find when you scroll through these photos, the vast majority of them are black people. Faces of black people, black men, black women, black boys, black girls. It's heartbreaking. I can't even go look at the rest of it. But I want you to, I'm warning you to brace yourself when you go to gunmemorial.org and you see those pictures right there in front of you. They, they're right there. And then you scroll and you scroll and you scroll. And it is a scroller's doom march. It is very powerful. It is very depressing to use that word more broadly rather than the clinical depression because I don't want to offend or insult anybody. It is overwhelming. It is painful. It's extremely disturbing as well. It is deeply affecting. And that's the point of this, to show you the photos behind the statistics, the photos behind the name that you might see in a newspaper story. Names and faces together. That is a powerful thing. Very powerful indeed. You've heard the gory details. And you're going to hear me say, my deepest condolences, my most profound and heartfelt condolences to the family members of the three black people who were executed today in Jacksonville at the Dollar General grocery store. 
I I don't have any other words, really. I mean, what would you like me to say now, dear listener? I think I've said all that needs to be said. The NRA can go F itself right now. Ron DeSantis as well. And that piece of garbage who has been twice impeached and four times indicted. His garbage, his racism, and Ron DeSantis's and the Republican so-called party, they're the fascists, have all contributed to these three black people being executed. I guarantee, I guarantee. And by the way, so has this entire white society has in some ways contributed to this by its inaction, its profound lack of action. It too has blood on its hands. Black lives matter. We'll continue to find out more about what's happened and who were the victims because I'm not going to tell you who the damn gunman was. When his name gets released, he can go and burn in hell. I hope he's doing that now. But um, I want to, and I'm sure we will soon get an idea who the three people were, their names. Very important. So exhausting, isn't it? If you're black listening to me right now, you know, you know what I'm talking about. The bottom line, dear listener, is that if you want gun safety and you want stronger gun laws in the United States of America, you have to vote for Democratic Party politicians. It is that simple. Vote. And vote Democratic. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.